Hi, I'm JD. This is ChimeraCast, a production of the Chimera Collective. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcatcher. We also have merch available and just launched our Patreon. For backing, you'll gain access to our Discord and the ability to vote on upcoming seasides. You can also get an RSS feed for an unabridged table-side version of the podcast, which includes all our banter, rules discussions, and session debriefs. We'll also have game readings and occasional exclusive seasides in that feed. Links to the details and our social media are in the show notes. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm playing Emilio Moretti, the bard. Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm playing Urazidi, the spellblade. Hi, I'm Nathan. I'm playing Kimmon Belaskis, the shaman. I'm JD. I'm your dungeon master for this game. This is ChimeraCast, a Dungeon World actual play podcast. When last we left off, you guys had made your way through the Harpies Pass with Isht, who was taken too soon from us from this earth, physically speaking, by some Harpies. <laughs> and you guys managed to make your way through that pass despite the harassment of the bird people. And then you made it to kind of a crossroads in the in the Vulture Lands and decided to head down deeper into the Vulture Lands rather than traveling along the ridge. You made it to a large collection of massive bones, uh, including this kind of conical skull with a nose and three eyes. And all of these bones were being held aloft in the air by these pinkish gray tendrils growing out through the pores in the bone. You then encountered Ish's spirit. Kimmin deftly captured Ish's spirit. And at the end of the session, uh, you heard a cry of an angry harpy somewhere up above you guys, kind of echoing down into the vulture lands. So we're going to open up back there. You guys are still at this kind of large skeleton, but everything right now is relatively at peace. There's no urgent issue. So we're just going to kind of drop in that scene. You guys can be talking about whatever you want to be or begin exploring whatever you guys would like to do. What do you do? I must say, I would rather not spend any more time here than we absolutely must. I assume it's starting to get a little darker now than it was, or am I incorrect? Yes, actually, you are correct. I was going to mention that. The very slight brightening of this hazy sky that you guys can see, it is descending now. It would be dusk, was everything not already kind of dusk-colored. But as it hits, the, the sky lightens, and you see more of this kind of bright green colors. More time we spend on the move, the better, I'd say. I do want to point out to the two of you, and Kimmin kind of squints and points at the smaller skeleton riding the larger skeleton. It's not riding it. It's like in the tentacles. Oh, okay. It's kind of underneath one of its limbs that are hanging out there. Just the same. I'm glad that you brought this up a little bit ago because, you know, I would have entirely forgot the situation. Yeah, this one was just a human or a humanoid skeleton being carried along as well. The tendrils are reaching out of its body as well and like holding it aloft, but only like a foot or two. There's another body there, another skeleton. I don't know if you can see it. I get a weird feeling from it. Weirder than this. And he gestures to the, the large... It's not lumbering, I guess, but <laughs> slow moving. Do you think it will prevent us from leaving? No, I just want you to be aware of it in case something happens. What's the size of it look like? Human? Vaguely. Hard to tell from here. We could check it out. Maybe it's some old remains of something that used to live here. JD, we'd have to climb the tendrils for that, right? No, no. This is on the on the ground still. Oh, okay. Uh, you'd have to kind of go in, a, in and amongst and around the tendrils. Zekazidi's the only one who's touched them, though. Yeah. Ugh. <sighs> Those tentacles are are less than pleasant. How so? They touch your skin. Did it leave a mark or just like that chilling sort of? Yeah, I described it as like you know you have goosebumps there. It's it's um there's a very specific sensation 
that I'm trying to like pinpoint in my description. The closest I can think about is it kind of leaves that pins and needles or like, you know, it's like hitting a funny bone. Like you can feel it kind of in your nerves. Like when you touch really cold metal with like bare skin almost. It's a physical response, but not a painful response. I'll put it that way. Before we continue the scene, I would like to remind you guys of one of my flags. That is, push me to acquire treasure despite cost to my spirit. Yeah, ZD got that one, I think, last time by convincing you to capture Ish, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, but this is another, yeah. it's another opportunity because I don't know if necessarily these tendrils deal in spirit, but definitely seems that way. So you were saying, or ZD? Not exactly uh, painful, but they are unpleasant. And, well, I think it's one of your turns to go do something stupid. I'd rather not take a turn if I don't have to. Kimmin looks sheepishly from side to side. This is kind of your thing, Kimmin, isn't it? Yes, didn't you deal with magical traps and such before? Yes. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. This is a pretty bizarre situation, even for somebody who's dealt with the kind of things that Kimmin has. He's a little shaken. To bring back around, this place is separated from the spirit world, so... And Kimmin's also trying to calculate what death would mean here. So. Yeah, there is a definite presence, especially as you're examining or staring up at this Leviathan, like this massive creature that, you know, you've never seen anything like, and it's dead and something is carrying it along, you know? Well, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll go check it out, but either of you have a rope? No, I ain't got a rope, but I'm happy to, you know, stay a few paces behind you and reach out my hand if you need it. Urzidi holds out a rope <laughs> to Kimmin. This cost me exactly two silver pieces. So if you lose it, I'm docking your pay. Kimmin rolls his eyes big. Fine. Ties it around his waist. I'm going to make my way over to this, over to this skeleton. I want to get a closer look at it. Okay. Are you like leaving the rope back with them in case you what get sucked in? Get sucked in. Or Zidi had perhaps suggested that it would have some kind of physical effect and we have no idea what's going on my nathan's nathan's idea is that i could fucking faint from it or something but who really knows so this seems like a pretty standard fare for a treasure retrieval for what kimmin would usually do be like just just in case just yank me out if i need it for whatever the hell could happen sure so you're kind of walking in amongst these these tendrils right and you're making your way towards that skeleton And as you kind of pass in between them, they quiver a little bit. They twitch, but slowly and slightly. I think you're able to make your way past, but some of them, as you you walk by, kind of lift up from the ground, pulling their their kind of roots. The extension that had dug itself into the ground kind of pull themselves out, and a couple of them maybe reach at you, but move so slowly and quiveringly that you can, as you walk past, they kind of seem to lose interest and like droop back down and bury themselves back in the ground. And you make your way under, and you can see that this limb that the skeleton is somewhat shaded by, it's stretched out, and it looks not like an arm with fingers at the end, but it looks like just a couple of short nubs of bones, and then a very, very long, what looks like a hand, with very long bones reaching out, and that's kind of the limb on this side. All of them disconnected from each other and quivering and hovering slightly, also about 20 feet off the ground. And it's a a more densely kind of populated um, region with these tendrils each all kind of coming down. As you walk under it too, you realize that the ground here is all cleared of any old dead vegetation that you had seen kind of coming down the mountain. There's these dead, dried shrubs, things like that. And here there isn't any of that. It looks like all of the earth has been, you know, freshly turned, almost like a farmer's field. And the skeleton kind of hangs in front of you. It's about a foot taller than you. Now that it's held aloft, that is. It's, it's about your height, give or take. And it does not appear to really react to you. It kind of is more upright than the large skeleton. Although, you know, leaning a little bit, it's, it's not quite right. But it appears to completely not notice you. It seems to be animated, though? Not really, not really animated, but it is jittering a little bit more than the Leviathan skeleton is, the, the large skeleton. It has the same kind of tendrils, just on a smaller scale, coming out of it. Is there any kind of dress? Is it a bear skeleton? It is a bear skeleton, yeah. No rags, even. So, Kimmin, feeling a little embarrassed now that, like, nothing's happening, right? Looks back at ZD, who's, I assume, kind of lazily holding the end of the rope. Yeah, I think it's sort of, like, dangling in loose fingers. Just one-handed, 
you will find that the tendrils have become a little bit more dense back the way that you came. You can still see Urizidi back there, but before you were able to just kind of easily pass through, you might have to, you know, push your way through a little bit more. Okay. Realizing this is closing behind me, take a quick look around, just kind of once over the skeleton. Is there anything on... I met it at the front, I assume. Is there anything, like, on its back? Is it connected in any kind of interesting way here? Nope. The big difference here is that the tendrils are growing over the bones more than they are with the Leviathan, which seems to always go straight down to the ground. These ones kind of grow over each other and are more, you know, connected to each other. Okay. A little disappointed there's nothing shiny over here. Kimmin, I'm going to make my way back. Kimmin! Like, kind of stopping mid-stride. How many eye holes does it have? (laughs) Is it two? Yes, it is two. Two. Can you grab that skull anyways? Might be useful. For what? Research. Kevin, like, seems a little, like, confused. I can try, I guess. Kevin pulls his knife out, and I'm going to try to shave away some of these tentacles and take the skull of the skeleton. Sure. How are you doing that exactly? What's the point of origin on these? Like, are they just growing constantly out of everything on the skeleton? Or the, yeah, the bones themselves are, are porous. They have very small holes in them, right? And they're very thin tendrils are growing out of here, but they're very numerous, right? And then they kind of all cascade down itself. Okay, that was that was my understanding. So I'm going to, in my left hand, I'll, I'll wrap that cloth that I was using to, as a face cover earlier and grab around the skull and just around the neck piece, take the point of the blade and try to run it around trying to cut off like i don't know i guess a a thick growth of vines or whatever sure shaving as much off as i can and pulling seeing until it gives yeah you're gonna be able to do this there's no problem it takes a little bit and you have to work it loose a little bit from its connections to the other pieces but eventually it will come free the ones that you cut kind of loosely hanging there and then holding it you know just at my side i'm gonna start walking back Yeah, I think as you make your way back through, a couple of these, now that they're more closed in, like reach out for you, start coming close. Yeah, I'll pick up the pace, hopping over what ones I can, trying not to seem too desperate or concerned, but also trying to make eye contact with Urizidi, let him know that I I may need (laughs) something. Yeah, give me a Defy Danger Plus Dex, I think. Man, that's a 10. Oh, I have a minus one for doing things with my ankle. Mm. I forgot, but I remembered. So that's a nine. There you go. Can Urizidi aid? Because I have this rope. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Go for it. Yeah, I think he like sees you start to fall as you're almost out, and he just like yanks back on the rope as hard as he can. Maybe not the most like graceful help. He's not obviously not very concerned about your physical well-being. He just doesn't want you to die. I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was basically why I handed you a rope, too. Yeah. It was like, just yank me out if I need you to. That's a 10. Oh, nice. Yeah, so as Uruzidi pulls on this rope, I think you kind of found yourself off balance. You hopped over one and then found yourself almost face first into another one of these kind of probing tendrils. But he yanks you out rather than having you lose your balance completely. Uh, and you kind of stumble out and emerge from underneath this massive skeleton. Pride's still in hand and totally fine. Good. I wrap that loose piece of cloth around the skull and toss it at Melio. Thanks. Did the skeleton seem uh, normal-sized or a little small? It wasn't a dwarf. Well, hopefully that's a new one, not one of the ancient ones or something. I don't know. I'll take a skeleton head in my inventory. Yeah, hell yeah. This large skeleton continues to kind of inch forward ever so slightly. Each piece kind of moving independently, but just barely eking forward. Where is this thing going, anyway? Do you actually care? Urzidi shrugs. Well, I'm not uneducated. I am interested in things. Just not people's feelings or people, really. Urzidi, I think you're hit a little bit as you guys stand there and look at this thing to just this creature that must have been so mighty in its time yeah like looking up at the direction that the tendrils are moving because we came down off this like cliff face right yeah yeah is it moving like parallel to that is it going towards it yeah right now it's like kind of heading in the direction of the path that you guys came down vaguely 
at this rate, right, it will run itself into the ridge eventually. Maybe it's just trying to leave. Uh, too bad we can't take a cue from that. I suppose we should go. I think at that we hear another another like far off caw of the harpies. I will say this kind of greenish yellow sunset is beginning to darken as well. We saw that structure. Emilio, have your feelings about it changed at all? Maybe that is the place we need to head. I was really hoping this boneyard would provide me with a little insight into the origins of things, but apparently this is the only thing here. I mean, it seems to be turning up any earth that I might want to dig through itself. You guys want to backtrack, or you want to try and go around? Backtrack or go around. Isn't that we have to go back up the ridge, or try and go around this jelly monster? I assume that we're in a new point, and there are new yeah. places we could go from this. I assume that the ridge isn't the only way we can go now, though I don't want to say that for sure, JD. Yeah, yeah, I'll just say this is a point. I'll let you guys know if you if something happens like on the path or if this is a point. This is a point. There are other points past here. Yes, it's not a dead end or anything. Gotcha. No. Okay. That's yeah. No. 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 Forward. Forward. Always forward. I don't really want to be here any longer than we have to be. All right then. I assume we don't want to go through. You seem to be a little freaked out when you were in there. Just trying to be careful. We don't have any idea what we're dealing with here. I have no idea what we're dealing with here, and the spirits which are very silent, have no idea what we're dealing with here. Some healthy caution is something I would advise for both of you. He turns and looks, like, pointedly at Urizidi. Urizidi feigns innocence. <laughs> so working together, no, I'm not scared. I'm just trying to be cautious. Well, I close my pack as I'm putting that skull away. Let's go then. I'll start walking around this giant mass that's cultivating the earth. Sure. Uh, you can do so if you guys want to. You can spend some time trying to figure out where you can go from here, uh, or you could just start walking. Honestly, the conversation seems like we're just walking. Yeah. Yeah, um, you guys are wandering through the vulture lands. Uh, when you head off through the vulture lands with no specific location in mind, roll plus nothing. So I just need this from one of you. Uh, on a 10 plus, you stumble onto a location nearby the one that you left. On a 7 through 9, choose one. Uh, you find something useful or valuable in your wanderings, but are still aimless. Uh, you find a new location, but the travel takes time. The GM will advance up front. Uh, you find a new location, but the travel takes its toll. Everyone must mark a debility of their choosing. So it is the uh, the danger of leaping before you look, we'll say. I think it's you. Yeah, I'm rolling. That'll be an eight. Okay, go ahead and choose one off the lists. I'm between the first two. I don't mind it taking a long time. I also don't mind since I'm looking for stuff to selfishly have myself find something useful or interesting especially since it's me rolling it but I also just lead us off the beaten path until you guys get annoyed with me <laughs> does that mean if you're still aimless that you have to roll that again correct okay or we'd have to like find a vantage point or something yeah yeah, yeah you would have to figure out a way to start surveying like gotcha if you guys are lost you can still look around that's totally yeah. cool Yep. I'll defer to you, Zach. The second one is the one that would be interesting to me, but if you want us to just like, oh, hey, I found a cool thing, but we're still fucking lost, that's fine. Yeah. The loop continues, so if you're like, yeah, I want to get to a place, but if Zach is like, I kind of want to find something useful, he can do something useful, and then you can wander somewhere. Yeah. Totally, and I, I, I like that as well. I like uh, setting a precedent that uh, maybe Emilio isn't the best to pathfind. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to choose the first option. I find something useful or valuable in my wanderings, but I'm still aimless. Yeah, Emilio, you're wandering along. The terrain here is rocky and shrubby, I would say. These kind of dead scraggles of almost tumbleweed-looking plants, and otherwise it's a somewhat unforgiving terrain. And there's not a lot to go on. There doesn't seem to be much direction right now. Until you find a small pile that looks different than the rocks and the shrubs that you've seen. As you approach it, you realize it's crumpled body looks kind of familiar uh, how many eyes does this have <laughs> wait a minute is this uh isht there are bones jutting from skin there's claw marks stretched across the head is smashed in yeah bashed against some rock on this tumble down the ridge shit uh i kind of put my hands at my side akimbo 
and I'm standing up straight, right? And then I just bend over top of the body, so I'm looking straight down at it. Any chance you're still alive? You're a little bit ahead of us, and to see you in the Superman pose, bent over, looking at something. What? What is it? <sighs> I found our guide. I, I didn't tell you. I, I had a, a chat with his spirit, and he's not too happy about... I gesture toward the body. This. What'd he say? He yelled at us for leaving him. Any chance for recompense? What do you mean? Back in town, proof of proof of death? Any way to settle his soul? I'm honestly worried about letting him go here. This place is spiritually tenuous, but I'm holding on to him for now. He's not, again, happy about that either, but for now... Is there, like, a tugging, or is there a kind of... Especially because we talked about him being restless, like, is being near the body... Does it affect you somehow, or, like, your control... The energy that you you have captured, I like I like that. I thought about that. I think it's just rattling. Like you can like where I normally kind of jingle my so many of the the trinkets and or whatever you want to call them, the gems hanging from my clothing are like all kind of rattling. I sound like a chime, as though Isht's spirit is diffuse in my little capture things. I think from the back of the group, Rosetti says, uh, is his crossbow still there? He's, like, almost bouncing up and down trying to see between the two of you. Is it still there, JD? Yeah, if you're gonna dig through, you can find his crossbow. Yeah, I think Urizidi pushes past and starts kind of rummaging through his shit. Nice way to treat the dead, kid. He's dead, and Urizidi's, like, waving you off over his shoulder. He's not wrong here. There's no spirit attached to it anymore, and what are we gonna do? Do you wanna bury him? I don't know the rights of the City of Law, personally. Chitty, I've been in Frothgar's courts for a while. Probably, hopefully, long enough to see someone die. Or at least hear about what they do for their dead. What is it? If I remember correctly, we had talked about the, the fact that, at least important folk, rather than having, you know, like a longship funeral at sea or whatever, they were placed up in the hills, tucked into old bear caves. So the bear caves being like sacred kind of holy places, you guys would fill it with your kings and then seal it up with stone, a pile of stones. At the very least, that sounds cool. Yeah. Any chance of anything like that around these here parts? Hmm, that's interesting. You want to look for a nook in the ridge side? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, go ahead and... Mm, yeah, I guess it's a discerning realities. I think you're, you're, you're poking around, maybe wandering off a little bit from the, from the group. Cool. Nine. What here is useful or valuable to me? Yeah, I think it takes a little bit of climbing. You guys are kind of walking alongside this ridge right now. You know, so you have to scramble a little bit up some steep hills. It's going to be a little tricky to carry a body through. But you're definitely, I mean, there are plenty of nooks and crannies in this cool. ridgeway. So at the very least, you know, nothing nothing quite like a bear cavern. Yeah, I know. But yeah, you're able to find a little um, nook. Cool. I have my uh, compatriots help me carry this body up to this nook. While you're looking, I want to check in with what they're doing. Yeah, totally. So, Ruzidi, you you were specifically going for the crossbow, right? Yeah. Cool. I can give you that. That's easy. I'll say, basically, yeah, you have this crossbow, and then you're also going to find two ammo of roped bolts. Yeah, you can use it as a grappling hook. It is, like, slow to use. There's no automatic you know, you have to wind it yourself and everything, but you can use it as a grappling hook. It also has a spike that you can tether into the ground, so you can use the ropes to tether things. But yeah, just two uses of that ammo. That's it. He doesn't have any other like regular bolts at this point. Sick. And it's um, you know, the typical crossbow tags. Reload near, not far, because of the ropes attached. Oh. You can't you can't go any further than that. No piercing or damage or anything like that. Are you digging around for anything else, or is that you? You just wanted the crossbow. Maybe just generally, like, he doesn't give a shit about Isht or, like, how his spirit might feel. So he's just looking for anything that could be useful. Like, he was our guide. He might have had things prepped that he knew about that we don't know to prepare for. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for that, you will find uh, a few, like, kind of loose sheets of this kind of woven grass paper. It's, like, dried out grasses that have been woven together into a rough, very rough paper with etchings on them. And they don't really make a ton of sense. There's no writing or anything, um, but there are like these really rough sketches of what you guess are, are things here. So you can you can take that as well. Sick. What about money? <laughs> uh, you're not gonna find any money. Fuck. 
Kimmon's looking at his shoes and stuff, right? Like I'm trying, I'm trying to find out like the co- the hidden coin he has in this person. <laughs> yeah, he may have known that uh, coin is no good here, so. Yeah, that doesn't mean he he doesn't need to doesn't need it when he gets back to town. But alas, those papers, Ryan, that you found. Yeah, it's three uses, and you can use them to either ask a dr question about a location. It has to be about like a location that you guys are here, or to get something interesting. So like either a dr or a spout lore seven through nine is basically what you can trade it for, but without making the move. That's sick. That's really cool. Emilio is gonna kind of make your way back down and rejoin these two. Who are just ravaging this body. <laughs> yeah. They're just, the, yeah. I walk in on ZD pulling the grass papers out of his breast pocket or wherever they were hidden. Are you two done? Are you taking his boots? Is that what you're doing? Really? I'm looking to see if he had any gold. Maybe there's a coin or something in one of these. As I'm shaking it out. Some tea. Help me with the body. I need to put it over here. Grab the, grab the legs. <laughs> Kim in like fumbles with a, like trying to hold the shoe. Tried to hold his boot and his leg for a moment and then realizes that he doesn't need the boot and throws it on the ground and picks up the foot. I take the body up to this little nook and put it inside. I can't go around walking through all the lands, killing dwarves and not properly dealing with them. It's bad for business. We didn't kill him. I think a harpy dropped him. (laughs) I think that you get like a weird look from both of us. You, You think a harpy dropped him. I think all the evidence points that way. (laughs) All I'm saying is we have nothing to feel bad about. Well, that I agree with. I'll put his soul to rest soon. He knew that this was a dangerous mission, and hopefully we get out of here better than he did. Probably just hoped we weren't chicken shits. As I get the body inside of the little nook, uh, I'm going to take off his giant shield that I have. And you said I could use it as a barrier... I'm going to slam it into the open face of the nook. It's basically like a covering and a a signage of his. Sorry you have two burial grounds. I didn't think I'd actually find your carcass. I uh, take my inked black hand, if you remember from the first session, and I place it on the center of the shield and lift it up so that my mark is there. Let's go. Is the ink just a handprint, or do you... Because you can kind of enchant the ink, correct? Yeah. Is your, like, mark your handprint, or is it something more involved than that? That's super interesting, and it definitely should be. Oh, yeah, I've got it. So from the handprint, the ink spills down from the bottom where it would connect at the wrist in just a straight line, and then an ink mark comes from the tip of the index finger and creates a curved blade so that it looks like the hand makes a bearded axe out of the side of it, if that makes sense. So like a, the point connects like from the index finger down to the thumb. It's yeah, cool. Dope. It's a new mark that uh, Frothgar gave me. The idea marking him that he died in service to Frothgar is that the remembrance you're leaving? Yeah, totally. I think that's exactly what he's going. For, what I'm going for. I like that a lot. I think it's dope, and that's the mark of Frothgar is what you're telling me. Yeah. For the record, it occurred to me, I think I may have talked about this a little bit, but it occurred to me in very plain terms that Kimmon is just straight up a grave robber and not... Yeah, I think we, I think that's now yeah. been established. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty hardcore. You're, you're not a well, shaman I mean, in the traditional sense of like putting spirits to rest. You're a shaman in that you like to control dead spirits. <laughs> the three of you, or rather mostly Melio, uh, have <laughs> laid Ish's body in a protected crag and left the shield behind, marked with the black axe of Frothgar. What do the three of you do? I have a point that I I actually thought about it yesterday and realized that it might be pertinent, is that I have that map that I stole from my sister. That's why I was, like, on the run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, My understanding was that that map would lead you to the Vulture Lands, but was not... Okay. Nope, that's cool. uh, That was what I was gonna ask. Yeah, I figured that kind of got you guys to the, the City of Law. This hidden city, okay. right, that not very many people know about or have access to. Yeah. And it helps, like, kick off and ties your backstory into this adventure more. Like, that's that's how I was seeing it, cool. as long as that's cool with you. Yeah. Oh, I, I will say I will say so, while you guys are standing there, maybe, Urizidi, if you look up this ridge, there's a, a red-helmeted figure standing at the top of it looking down at you guys. 
<laughs> well, looks like it's time to go again. Have the others of you guys seen the this Blood Rider, the Cataphract? No. No. I really like the idea of nev- like the only person that ever sees it is Urizidi. I was going to use the opportunity to check it out, but with Urizidi frightened by the Cataphract, I think it's better if you either either start striking out or use the excuse to try to get a vantage point. No, Urizidi is just going to dip. He's just like, all right, well, looks like it's time to go. We're done here. Dusting his hands off. And I think you just see kind of this distant figure in travel-stained white tabard with his glaive slung across his shoulders, just booking it into the... Or is it kind of a plains here? I guess I maybe didn't catch that. Yeah, this is it's just like a kind of a craggy... You know, it's that transition from a highland into a lowland area. Yeah. If you're just striking off again, it sounds like you are once more wandering through the vulture lands. And it's plus nothing. Yep. You got your head in your hand, so I assume it's a, a big it, old 12. It doesn't matter what it's plus. <laughs> uh, it's plus it nothing. Is, yeah. uh, that was snake eyes. Woof. Nice. That seems right. Nice. I mean, that follows the fiction completely. You're nervously striking out because you saw a ghost. I think yeah. even we take a second before we realize you're gone, yeah. and then we go and try to catch up with you, and whatever JD wants to do. Yeah. If he wants to separate you from us, that's a, a decent opportunity for this, too. It is one of the moves. As you strike off through the, the darkening fog, that last kind of yellowish tinge on the horizon is disappearing, and the darkness is closing in around you. At first, you hear a couple of above you and you look up and see no shadows the sky is completely dark you pick up the pace a little bit still unsure of where you're headed and then find yourself kind of each step it's like these strands this webbing almost reaching up from the ground and onto your boots kind of holding you in place and each step takes effort to to break free of these these strands this webbing and then you hear a couple of and the fog around you churns Coming out from the darkness, black, gore-covered talons stretching forward. What do you do? Yeah, I'm just gonna like jam this glaive and try to use the the reach from it to stab this harpy and kind of keep it away from me as it's plunging down towards me, like using its own momentum to to impale itself. It sounds to me like you're more defending than you are hack and slashing since you are kind of posting up and trying to use your glaive to catch it as it comes down at you rather than actively assaulting it. Does that work? Yes. Okay, cool. Go ahead and roll defend for me then. That is a six. Yikes. Oh, no. It's awesome. It comes down and I think it catches you and, and attempts to grab you but isn't able to really dig its talons into you. Uh, however, it is going to, um, as it strikes you, uh, so go ahead and take the d6 of damage uh, as it rakes across your shoulders again. So that's two points of damage. It's going to knock you down to the ground because of this like webbing that has like kind of uh, reached up and, and latched onto yourself. And I think your glaive kind of goes uh, scaring a little ways out of reach. Cool. Melio and uh, Kimmin, you hear this squawking and the flapping and, and the, the beginnings of this struggle, but in the now very dark fog around you, um, you're not exactly sure where it's coming from. What do the two of you do? Oh, gods. Do you know where he went? No, I can't see a damn thing in this. Shit. Kid's got himself into some real shit this time. Uh, you go that way, I'll go this way. All right, let's go. Yell if you find him. Yep. You guys are splitting up. Yep, because it's a bad idea, but also, you know, he's he's in trouble, so we should try to find him, so. Yeah. Sure. Fuck, I don't know. Nathan, you're odd. Zach, you're even. Somebody roll a d6. See who actually finds him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rolled an even. Excellent. So, Melio, you're going to come across Uruzidi having been knocked down and, and is being harassed by this harpy, who I think is kind of like hopping up and down and trying to like pierce its talons into the ground, trying to catch mm. Uruzidi. Yeah, I think I'm just going to breakneck charge at this thing and just shoulder check it into the ground. Excellent. Give me a defy danger plus strength. Ha-ha! It's a six. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. I have an eight idea. So because my glaive is my sorceress blade, I have a connection with it and can call it back to my hand. 
Can we tabletop this harpy with my glaive coming like right at the back of its legs while Melio slams into it like too high? Uh, I dig it a lot. Go for it. Roll that aid. That's a seven. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you're gonna you're gonna catch this harpy. This isn't, I think, enough to really knock it out or down or anything, but it is yeah. going to knock it off balance and it has to kind of flutter back away from you guys in order to catch its balance is that cool yeah yeah totally and i think the potential consequence here for for zd you draw that glaive back to your hand and that webbing is like catching onto your arm as well is that on the ground it's something on the yeah yeah it's, it's almost as if like this webbing is like growing out of the ground itself this like black kind of webbing gotcha as you pull back, you, you notice that that spot on your arm has kind of developed a little bit of a rash. But this harpy is like knocked backward and is, is flapping and squawking angrily, trying to kind of get itself back airborne. But it takes a little bit for these large bodies, despite how huge their wings are. Kevin, you're wandering through the fog, <laughs> seeing nothing so far. Is there anything you're doing? Are you calling out for anybody? Or are you giving up? Or No, so I'm running along, waiting for the call from Melio, which hasn't come yet because they're entangled with this harpy. I'll probably be able to hear the scuffle and make my way in that direction eventually if Melio doesn't call out for me, but I'm looking for ZD. So yeah, I don't want to uh, have you do nothing. What about like a Defy plus Wisdom? Uh, I was... Maybe. I could even wander through the Wasteland or Vulture mm. Lands. That's what I was kind of thinking is maybe giving you one of those. Like potentially you could find a location, like you kind of, you know, stumble on something interesting as you're going. How does that sound to you? That was what I was thinking, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll give you another wander through the Vulture Lands then. Fuck it. That's a nine. Okay. So go ahead and advance a, a clock, and I'll find a location. Excellent. I think that's cool. I like the the way that this would be cut if it was a TV show. It's like us in this scuffle with a harpy, and then it just cuts to Kimmon just wandering through this, like, foothill. Yeah, I love it. I love it a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, and, I, and depending on what I find, right, it's like the camera gets to zoom up or zoom out and show the larger picture. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I guess it bears noting I am choosing the option that it takes me a long time, so I probably won't be there for your guys' that's, fight. That sounds about right. Yeah. I'll come back and touch base on what you're able to find, I think, then, if that's cool with you. I mean, that's that's cool with me. If that's if everybody's fine with that, how that, how that works, that's how I interpret that. But if you don't, if you want me involved in the fight, too, we, don't, we can do something different. That's fine. But that's how I'm interpreting that, and I'm fine with you advancing a front. Cool. That totally works for me. It makes sense to me, and I think these two will be okay. We'll see, though. Back to you two. This harpy is now like a couple of flaps away from actually being able to, to get itself back up in the air. Yeah, totally. I reach out my hand to Arizidi. Come on, kid. I need you to get up. Come on. Yeah, I mean, Arizidi takes your hand. And, uh, and we get ourselves terrific. I get behind you. You know what angels are, kid, right? And I slap my hands together. Big wings, right? I suppose. I start running my hands down both of his shoulder blades. So there's this angel, Isfel, right? Uh, great, powerful. Listen, I ve- what? I, I would love to listen to this story, but I think we have sort of bigger fish or birds to fry. This, 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 uh, this harpy is definitely lifting off the ground. It's gone. Yeah, later, I promise. All right, fine, go. And I kick you in the ass, and you see me like pull the ink that's on his back out and hopefully if this works properly he'll have giant black wings i'm so into this what do you roll like what move are you going for so this is my arcane art this is what i'm going for one of the options they can fly because <laughs> no just plus 1d4 damage i just think that's sick <laughs> i don't know or they can uh their mind is shaken from enchantment or you know it's something else with an assist or i can heal but i just you know give him an extra damage but if he can fly that's kind of sick Arcane Art. When you weave your performance into a basic spell, choose an ally in effect. Heal 1d8 damage, plus 1d4 forward to damage. Oh yeah, it's also forward, so that's kind of like a fleeting effect is kind of what I was thinking of this, so that's why I was like... It gives him a lunge or something. He's just lunging in for a strike. I'm into it. Yeah, he's striking them out from the skies. Their mind is shaking clear of one enchantment. The next time someone successfully assists the target with an aid, they get plus two instead of plus one. Uh, then I roll plus charisma. On a 10 plus, the ally gets the selected effect. On a seven through nine, my spell works, but I draw unwanted attention or your magic reverberates to other targets affecting them as well. GM's choice. Anyways, yeah, that's what I'm hoping to do is like give him, that's why I was shoving him forward. Just give him giant wings. 
you know, cut him from the sky or something. All right, so you're giving him plus 1d4 forward to his damage. Yeah, that's my intended effect when I weave my spell. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's do it. That will be a 789. So potentially uh, you have the option here, JD, on a 7 through 9. Uh, either I draw unwanted attention or my magic reverberates to other targets affecting them as well. I'm doing unwanted attention to yourself because that's the interesting one here. Yeah, totally. But yeah, so Urizidi, you kind of get these shadowy wings coming yeah. off of you. This black plumage made of ink. So I picture it even being like a little, um, I don't mean to get too deep into your art style, but I picture it as like a brush stroke. So it has that kind of like splattering wing like effect, like a bird in flight on like yeah. a wood block print or something. So um, you kind of have these these inky wings coming off of your back now. Yeah, what do you do? I think he uh, Urizidi gives them a couple experimental flaps. And then, like, one really big flap that almost has him hovering above the ground. And I am going to dash forward and try to sever one of these harpies' wings off. Or more just cut into the harpy. I don't think he's going for anything specific at this point. Yeah, I think you're able to flap. And I think the real thing is that the, the first flap kind of breaks the these, you know, kind of this webbing that's sticking to you breaks that fully and the this, this second flap gets you high enough up that you can thrust forward with your glaive in order to strike at this harpy. So go ahead and give me a hack and slash. That is a 10. Put yourself in a spot. Put yourself in a spot. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think he's going to. <laughs> yes! Yeah, if you're putting yourself in a spot here, then um, go ahead and roll your damage. So that's going to be your damage plus the 1d4 forward plus the 1d6 for putting yourself in a spot. That's 14 points of damage. Yeah, I mean, you just absolutely cut this thing in half, I feel like. Hip to shoulder and this big thrust through it. It lets out a last, like, and falls down to earth with two heavy thumps. And then you you kind of softly float back down to your feet, uh, having just been elevated a few feet up off the ground. Oh, you know what? You're not going to float down gently because you put yourself in a spot. That doesn't make any sense then. Um, so the you, yeah, you yeah, yeah, get yeah. that lift up, and then the wings just dissipate into inky rain that splashes down across the landscape you are just falling a few solid feet down yeah you you fall down to the ground um and hit and you hear something crack in your backpack oh no oh urzidi stands up and I, like he has this white tabard that i think had like the big rock and emblemized on the front and it's just covered in ink what 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 in the hell's happened i thought you gave me wings <laughs> Stories only last so long, kid. I hold out my arm to pick him up off the ground. Urzidi kind of slaps it away. You're an asshole. <laughs> Why am I the asshole? Well, you could have at least warned me. You said there, there wasn't any time. We had bigger things to deal with. I thought you'd figure it out. Were you going to tell me some long-winded story about how an angel lost its wings and I was supposed to somehow figure it out from that? Yeah, it turns out it was a Valkyrie, so they crucified her and clipped her wings. Fuck. Arazidi's eyes just narrow at you. Fine. Oh, yeah. Kimmon, we're over here. What broke in my backpack real quick before I forget? Your sight glass. Yeah. As you guys are kind of yelling and arguing and looking around or whatever, at a certain point, Melio, you're kind of shouting and looking around. You see up in the sky a streak of some sort of greenish light that lasts for a little while and then disappears. Kimmon, you start to hear the deadened echoes of your companions. You have found yourself standing on the edge of some sort of ravine that looks downward. Uh, further than you can see, it is completely encompassed in shadows beneath you. But across the way, a bulky, squarish shadow darkens right here just over the ravine. You can tell that it must be some sort of structure, but you hear this muffled... Kimmon looks, squints at the structure for a moment, then begins running toward the voice of Melio. The light glinting pink off of the discs at his side, jingling. As you walk back, you find that um, your foot with the hurt ankle, it has like pins and needles shooting through it. The worst part of pins and needles when your uh, limb is just waking back up. Every step you take has that kind of shooting itch to it. I ignore it for now. Are you all right? 
Yeah, the kid's a little bruised and banged up, but no worse for the wear. I'm fine. Still trying to, like, dust off this ink off his fucking clothes. Well, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad, but I, I found something. A ravine, just of the way. It is pitch black, by the way. You mean the sun has gone down now? Yes, exactly. Okay. I was going to just ask, so I'm glad you tell me. But that'll have to wait till the morning, I think. Have either of you seen a good place to camp? I can't see anything, so no. Smartass. So long as we stay away from these uh, webs, I think this is as good a place as any. It sounds like you guys are trying to set up camp. I have a move for this. It's uh, creatively called uh, Camp in the Vulture Lands. What? When you decide to set up camp while in the Vulture Lands, establish roles for your party and have each role in turn, describing the scene and interacting with your party members as you go. Some of this is like, I'm trying to, you know, think about this as a potentially published thing. And so I'm trying to like push like the players to actually have involved scenes when they camp so that it's not just like a roll and go. I'm not really too worried about that for you guys, but keep it in mind or whatever. So there'll be a scout. They'll roll first. Uh, when you search for a safe spot to set up camp and establish a perimeter, roll plus wisdom. There's some stuff there. Then the manager will roll. When you take inventory and hand out supplies, roll plus intelligence. Uh, and then the observer, uh, which is not well named, but whatever. When you watch your surroundings at camp closely, roll plus con. This is potentially to stand watch, but the scout's move can affect this move, so it also can be used to gather supplies. So that's why it's called observer, whatever. And then there's kind of a separate meta move underneath that one called sharing at camp, but we'll, we'll get there when we get there. So yeah, how about uh, you guys establish your roles? So scout, manager, or observer? Am I the scout? Seemed like I was scouting. That's kind of the one who's sure. initially searching. Probably the manager. Yeah. Yeah, I can be the observer. Cool. So the scout then, when you search for a safe spot to set up camp and establish a perimeter, roll plus wisdom. Okay, that's a 10. 10. So on a 10 plus, you find a location hidden from danger. The observer can then roll to scavenge for supplies rather than standing guard, and the manager takes plus one to their roll. So kind of describe the scene of you searching for this location and setting up this perimeter. What do you what do you find that's a safe place? So the last thing that was said was this place is as good as any, and we were in the open. So no, 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 no. We need at least something better than this, an overhang or something. Wait here, take inventory. I'll be back in a second. So this place doesn't have a whole lot of options for hidden away or like covered places but i think that we can find some rocky growth overhang kind of thing sure that's a, an overgrown hill or something how about just like a like a jutting stone coming up out of the ground i think it's cool that was exactly what i had in mind yeah so i find that and check and make sure there's nothing living under it just get down on the ground and just thrust the knife under the ridge <laughs> blindly that'll do and then i come back and show my companions where we're going yeah so uruzidi you're gonna be next as the manager as you guys kind of come in and start selling up your camp under this little um rocky outcropping you're gonna take inventory and hand out supplies so roll plus intelligence for me and you take a plus one to this because of the scouts 10 plus oh nice the idea being that you guys are safe enough you can take your time to really do this yeah 12 holy shit on a 10 plus there's plenty to go around everyone can rest They'll heal half their HP and level up if they have the required XP. Sick. So Uruzidi, since you're the manager, everybody's going to be good, but describe the camp that you've kind of set up. It's under this rocky outcropping, we know, but what does it look like as you guys are kind of settling in for dinner or whatever? Not worried about what you're eating. So I think that as part of like his training to take over some aspect of imperial bureaucracy. Urizidi had to go out with a military company and like learn to camp and learn how to set one up and learn how to do all of that. So I think it's very regimented. And if like a, a veteran of the Ashkashari military came, they would like the wood pile is in one spot and it's always in that spot. And bedrolls are laid out exactly like this. And the fire is built to like specifications basically. And I think it's the one thing that Urizidi kind of remembers from doing all that. Like, he's not a military guy, obviously. But I think that's, like, how he was taught to set up camp. Excellent. Everybody's going to be able to rest tonight and heal half your HP as normal, uh, plus level up if you have the XP. Hell yeah. Then we go to Melio as the observer of camp. You're watching your surroundings closely. 
Uh, typically, this is used to identify a threat, but because the scout found a location that was properly hidden from danger, you can choose to do this in order to scavenge some supplies around here. Sure. Yeah, that sounds fun. Cool. Kind of describe how you're wandering around and then roll plus constitution, since you're the one weathering the night a little bit more than everybody else is. The rest of the team tuckers in, and I'll I take the parameter search and watching while they're kind of uh, sitting around the, the fire. I thought maybe I should march a parameter after watching Urizidi be so tactical, uh, be so regimented about setting up camp. Probably uh, Urizidi even talked about things like that as he was setting up. But I think the silence gets to Melio a little bit. And I walk straight out far enough to where I stop hearing the crackle and pop of the fire to see if I can hear anything in the darkness of the night. Yeah. Go ahead and roll plus con. That'll be an eight. So for the observer on a seven through nine, you're not caught off guard by anything approaching, which doesn't really apply here because you guys are safe. So you find something interesting. You find a small vial. It must have been dropped by someone at some point. It's like a spot on the ground that is eroded around it. And so it's kind of up above the rest of the surface. It's like lifted up from its surroundings. Out of all of this, a little flower is growing like a dandelion. It's alive. Wait, there's a vial? Is it a dandelion's growing out of a vial? No, the, the dandelion is just like right next to it. Oh, okay. And the vial has what appears to be some kind of liquid in it. Drink it. <sighs> I haven't seen anything grow here since we came here. I grabbed the vial. Maybe there's a little bit of hope left. As you pick up the vial off the ground, it begins to wilt. Let me guess. And I look at the vial. Some kind of magic. Sure. Uh... What What is this? I don't know if you'd be able to spout lore on it. I don't know. I know a lot about stuff. I suppose that's fair. Sure. I'll give you a spout lore. Why not? I mean, my intelligence is minus one. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that's a, that's a five. <laughs> or no, even less. That's a four. Yeah, you have no idea what this is. As you walk back to camp with this vial, I assume tucked in your pack or tucked in a pocket. Yeah. You find yourself getting back to camp and just... It's like... Walking out of camp was easy, but walking back, like, you're out of breath. As much as you try to slow your breathing and take deep breaths to try and kind of get your wind back in you, you just can't. You can't, like, catch that breath back. It's just... At least you're back at camp. Are any of you guys feeling... Winded? (laughs) No one else is feeling winded. Everyone's been chilling at camp. No, no, no. It feels fine. (laughs) I just feel really heavy all of a sudden. Did you find something? Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know stuff about things. And I pull the, the vial out of my shirt. You know anything what this is? I found a flower growing next to it. Maybe it's some weird growth stuff. I don't know. Kim in, looks at it, looks at you. It has a pink glitter in it as you kind of shuffle this liquid around. Grabs a piece of cloth that we had folded around some food, takes it, takes the vial out of your hand. All right, I'll bite. Do I know anything about this? Well, spot lore. It's a seven. Okay, something interesting. You certainly know that this is related to the spirit world and to spirits. The glitter in here is crushed up soul glass. (laughs) You found a vial of... And I, I hold up my arm and all of the soul glass tied into my clothing like jingles found some soul glass you didn't ingest any of it did you no as you're like kind of sweating and panting all right i don't know what somebody's using this for though i, I fold it up in a little piece of cloth and tuck it into one of the hundreds of pockets sewn into my clothes not something for you to mess with i don't think though well then you mess with it i don't care i don't plan on messing with it either Urizidi is starting to like ladle up some of the soup that he's made as you guys are kind of done examining this file. Emilio, perhaps you should have half of that portion if you're feeling a little heavy. Can't have you getting out of shape. The fuck are you talking about? Well, you're huffing and puffing and sweating from just a little climb up the hill. Doesn't bode well for an adventurer. I don't think a half portion of soup tonight is going to fix that, if that's the problem. 
Nor do I think a double portion of soup for yourself is going to help anything either. I lost a lot of blood today. I need a little extra. <laughs> uh, this seems like a good time to transition into the, the second part of camp, now that everything's all set up. So sharing at camp. If you spend some time at camp singing a song, telling a story, brainstorming plans, or recalling a memory with your companions, each member listening to you gives you advantage or disadvantage when aiding or interfering rather than plus one or minus two. So it's kind of designed for one of you take the lead around the campfire and do something interesting. But more related to, like I said, like stories or memories, not just interaction. This is also a good time for anybody to call out flags. Yeah, mine are pretty great uh, for this, if I'm taking the lead on this. Uh, tell me my story is boring. Uh, give a part of yourself to my story. Or my two. Anyone else got any? Mine are show me a blind spot that my royal upbringing has caused in my worldview. And then the other one is uh, help me fulfill one of my order's prophecies. Which probably not gonna hit that one sitting around too frequently. Yeah, yeah. And I've got push me to acquire treasure despite cost to my spirit and help me harvest spirit energy. Yeah, not too much. Neither, neither we're gonna you hit around the campfire. I don't think, which is fine. We hit them earlier, one of them earlier. But you get a you get to tell a story. Yeah, I still feel heavy, right? Yeah, yeah. You're still out of breath, definitely. And for that matter, uh, Kimin, uh, your leg is still numb. Maybe. All this breathlessness is <laughs> just me getting old. It reminds me of a great king, one who ruled his empire. He was a lusty young man, a conqueror of small city-states, one after the other. They say a day before the raid, you would have to sew up the sheets so as to keep the beautiful young men and women from falling in love with him before he conquered them. Something that fills many kings is their inability to see themselves in the mirror. This particular king came to a small town. He came disguised as a normal citizen, a city-goer, looking for love in a new area, looking for love in a new side of town. He met one such man who caught his eye, and as before, went to him sang him a beautiful ballad, whispered all the sweet nothings he had whispered time and time again, told great stories of triumph and beauty, and just as he leaned in to tell the young man how beautiful he was, the young man looked up to him and said, I have more, no more time for you, Grandpa. I have to be going. In that moment, the king's heart shattered when it's said that he grew roots there in the tavern and that with his last breaths he carved his name into his wooden face. At least that's what this old bar lady said to me when I was grabbing a drink in this small town. It was a good tale. <laughs> Anybody reacting to that or want to tell a story of their own? Otherwise... At the very least, Melio, go ahead and mark down that you have advantage or disadvantage from both of them tomorrow. Cool. So wait, wait, wait. He carved his own name into his face? That's what she said, and then she pointed to the name right on the back of the chair. They made a chair out of him. Well, I think he made a chair out of himself. I can't... I think... The king grew roots in a bar, and, and they made a chair out of the... Yeah, I think so. Your story sucks. No, it's a great story. Never grow old. Always be young. Or at least, you know, try and find a lover your own age or something, or you'll end up being some old bar stool. <laughs> I think that's the point. Well, okay, that's, that's actually okay advice. We're going to cut to the morning, but I do need a roll before we start off today. Uruzidi, I need you to roll the Leviathan Gnaws. If touched by, or if you touch the Leviathan's probing fungal tendrils, roll plus constitution. Alright, this is a, a true rule for old Urizidi. <laughs> that was a five. Where it has touched you on your arm is a miscolored, itching rash. Whatever happened to the uh, rash from the webs? It wasn't. It was just like the the reddening from this is all you noticed. All the webs were doing oh, was was I like see. holding I, you in place. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I could have made that a little clearer. Sorry. 
Yeah, just go ahead and mark somewhere that you have a fail on Leviathan Nas so that you don't forget also, but I'll try to remember. And mark XP, of course. Cool. But with that, you guys head off in the morning. Similarly to dusk the night before, just in the opposite direction, there is a green-gold sunrise kind of filtering through this haze. It's actually quite beautiful. It's enough to fight back this dismal gray fog ever so slightly. And the three of you begin making your way back to where Kimin had found the night before, this ravine. You can actually see down it now. It appears to channel down towards what appears to be like a black river far, far below. Definitely not a fall that you would want to take. But the three of you are making your way along this ravine and see up ahead of you across it what looks like some sort of old tower made of white stone. There are places that it appears to have crumbled, the stones breaking apart and tumbling over each other down. From what you can tell, it looks abandoned. The top of it is in a pyramidal style. It looks like there's an eye carved into each facet of that top pyramidal part of the tower. A bridge leads from its front out over the ravine. Simple craftsmanship. Seems to be made of the same white stone, but it's very plain. There's no kind of railing on either side. What did the three of you do? So the bridge leads across the ravine? Yes, so from the side that you guys are on to the side that the tower's on. It's on the other side of the ravine from you. Gotcha. Crumbling in parts, but it appears to be standing on its own. Leading away from that bridge, the opposite direction, is a road that kind of seems to travel up alongside this ravine a little bit. So this is the the location that Kimmon found yesterday, correct? Yep. Well, did you go any farther than this? No, it was too dark, and I was afraid that you were getting eaten by a harpy. Ah, uh, uh, a fair assumption. Urazidi pokes at the bridge with the haft of his uh, glaive. It kind of um, will crumble apart into a fine dust, but not any more than you would be able to scratch into uh, a soft stone. It's not like it crumbles to pieces underneath your touch. Gotcha. The bridge is certainly heavily weathered, right? There are like pockmarks from rain and debris. Well, does it look safe? It seems safe enough. And I think Urazidi sort of takes a tentative step out onto it, kind of bounces up and down for a second. A few pebbles like kind of fall loose underneath you and tumble down the ravine, but nothing major breaks off or anything. Well, it looks fine. Go. I guess Urazidi will just sort of scamper across this bridge. Sure. You're able to make it across, and other than the wind that tugs at you, kind of channeling down this ravine, you otherwise find your footing quite steady. It's a wide bridge. And after you make it across, before you in that watchtower stands a, a large wooden door sealed shut, a little rotted and swollen from absorbing water or from just how old it is. But otherwise, it looks quite sturdy still. This watchtower looms over you. The other two of you across the ravine, what do you two do? We'll go on, follow them. No, I go, I go across. And, uh, there's no nothing here. I honestly thought that I was going to be the one to go first, so I'm surpri- I was surprised the ZD took the lead. All right. And then I follow up behind. Kimmin and Emilio, as you make your way across, the same wind snaps at you. It's only that and the paranoia of how high up you are from this ravine that makes this feel unsafe and unsteady, but you're able to make it across just as well. I don't suppose anyone lives here. ZD, did you knock? I was waiting for my backup. But now that we're all here, uh, and Arazidi's looking around for uh, signs of anything bigger or more dangerous than he is. The only thing you see is standing up the road in one direction, kind of headed back the way that you guys came a little bit. Up on a horse is a, a man in red armor watching you. Oh, very well, I'll knock. As you knock, the other two of you at least, I don't know if Urazidi you would notice, but up on top of this watchtower, the, the faceted eye, what looks like a, you know, a bejeweled eye that's carved into this top of the watchtower, seems to glint in the light, seems to shine down on you guys a little bit. All three of you hear or feel in the back of your mind this sense, this presence, or this voice, this place is forbidden to you.
Is he okay? <laughs> God damn. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. I can heal him. <laughs> no, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Scooping brains back in his head. I have bandages. I can put him back together. <laughs> come on. Come on, beautiful boy. Poultices and herbs right in the eye. You'll be fine. You'll see you again. Not remembering the time that you guys saw his soul wandering around. <laughs> I, well, did, I, I didn't. <laughs> I'm, uh... Oh, yeah, because... Wasn't that your soul experience? I don't think I saw no, that. I, I don't saw think uh, no shit about it. Or Zidi. and I. Zidi and I. Oh, okay. Yeah, Urzidi Yeah, you, yeah, you I can see it your... because of your magic, right? Activating or something. Yeah. There was, yeah. Those guys were just fighting with the wind to me. 